Baptism Sunday, and to be honest, I feel very underqualified, very ill-equipped to be preaching right now. I feel like, you know, some of those guys should be up here. Courtney, do you want to come up and preach? I think you just, you know, Scott, Carmen, Lewis, and Ruth, you were just incredible. And I feel like tonight, today is all about, not all about you, it's about Jesus, but I think you would have done a great job of preaching this morning. So I'm going to try and follow that. So please be gracious, please be kind. But I think back to my baptism, which I forget the date. And I'm not a date guy. I forget anniversaries, birthdays. So I forget the date. But I think it was around 2002, 2003. My mum's here. She might nod. She might not remember either. She's like me. But anyway, my baptism, um, it was in a Pentecostal church, an AOG church, a little bit like this. But, you know, it was, what are we talking now? 17 years ago. What was cool now was not cool then, and what was cool then is not cool now. So in baptism, you guys, you can wear what you like in that pool. We had to wear all white, white trousers, white shirt. Who chose white? Who chose white for getting wet and coming out of water? I don't know. In the church that I grew up in, we get to choose the song. So it was like, so Dave and the team just led us in worship. When I got baptized, the baptism candidates chose a song so that you could have put your request and it was a bit like, you know, DJ Dave would have been like open to open requests and you just play whatever song. I wasn't really into Christian music then. I wasn't really long in church. I didn't know much in the way of worship. I asked somebody, what should I have as my song? And they said this song. Some of you might know it. It, it was the, the Days of Elijah. <laughs> These are the days of Elijah. <laughs> Rich, if you, if you like, really, really, like, if, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got to remember this is a short preach. I can't just waste all my time on just this. But anyway, that song um, is, you know, in terms of theology, it's, it's quite a complicated song. And, you know, we, we want to ensure that it's accessible. But anyway, that song was my baptism song. My baptism song. But here today, in case you're not sure what's going to happen, we have a baptism tank over the back. Myself and Julie will be in the pool. Um, and then those, those individual candidates will come and we'll we'll, we'll grab them by the shoulder quite nicely, pray for them, and say in the name of Jesus, we baptize you. And, and then they'll go into the water and we'll pull them back out. That's how we do it here. But the question is, what is baptism? Like, I have to admit, if you're looking in from the outside, you, you're not used to church. Maybe some of you are new here today. You're thinking, what on earth is baptism? We, I've been in church for many, many years. Like, it's, for me, it's normal. I, this, is like my, this is like my Christmas. Baptism Sunday is like my Super Bowl. It's just brilliant. I just love being here. But for you, some of you might be thinking, what on earth are they about to do to Scott? <laughs> or, or to little Louis? <laughs> what, what are they about to do? And the word baptism is a Greek word, baptizo. So in the original context of the very first baptism, John the Baptist was baptizing people in the Jordan River. It was a normal concept. People were used to baptizing um, and washing things. It basically means in Greek, wash or to dip or to submerge or immerse. You know, I baptized a biscuit yesterday into my cup of tea. <laughs> Not quite the same. There's more to it than that. But it's a public declaration. So it's not something that you do behind closed doors and privately. It's something that you do in front of people. You do it public. It's, it's a public. So when you become a Christian, you make a private decision. I want to follow Jesus. When you get baptized, you make a public decision and a declaration before others. I really want to follow Jesus. I really do. Um, 
So that's what it is. It's a public declaration. I think about Abigail. Um, she's nearly one. And in the, in the hospital, um, Steph was in hospital with her for three, five days, I think it was. And on about the third day, it came the point where the, the nurses, the midwife, came around and said, oh, Abigail, she could have her first bath. And we're like, okay, that's good. But then what she did was she then announced to the whole ward, hey, everybody, Abigail's going to have her first bath. Why didn't you come and see? I'll come and teach you how to bath your child. So, oh, yes. So all the other parents from the war came, gathered round, gathered around the pool. A little baby Abigail, three days old, naked as the day she was born, was thrust into a bath for everybody to observe. It's a little bit like Baptism Sunday. She got washed. It's a cleansing process. It's a, a washing process. So that's the what, what it is. But why? Why? Why are we doing this today? Well, Jesus said, his last words here on earth were, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. He basically commanded us to do it. This is something that it doesn't, you don't get baptized to become a Christian. It's not like you, you get baptized, you're in heaven. It's not, it doesn't work like that. Baptism comes after that decision, but it's, it, it's a command. It's get baptized. Sarah said it before, repent. Turn around, walk in a different direction, choose to leave your past behind and walk the other way towards Jesus, repent and be baptized. It's a command. And to help us with that, Jesus, although he was God, Jesus got baptized. And he approached John the Baptist in the Jordan River and John the Baptist said, hang on, Jesus, you should be baptizing me, not, not the other way around. He, he didn't, he was like, you're, you're the son of God, how on earth can I baptize you. And Jesus said, this is the way God wants it. This is the way God intended it. This is what I need to do. This is the will of God. I need to model it to you and me and everybody else as to why it's so important. But I also want to make this caveat. It's not how you become a Christian. People today aren't getting baptized and that's their ticket into heaven. It's not, that's not how it works. Salvation comes through faith and faith alone. Salvation comes through a decision. I believe in Jesus. I don't know all the answers, but I'm going to believe. And then baptism comes. In the case of the New Testament, it almost, and in the case of um, Lewis, in the case of Lewis, it came, I think he made a decision to follow Jesus on Friday night, and on Sunday he's getting baptized. So in the New Testament, many people decided to follow Jesus, and then they walked to the nearest available water space, and then just got baptized there and then. It doesn't always happen that way this day and age, but normally, typically, when a baptism happens, it's normally early on in somebody's faith journey. Typically, not everybody perhaps, but most cases, it's sort of early days. So the point I want to make, perhaps there's somebody in the room who's thinking, I've not been baptized. The point I want to make is simply, you don't need to know it all to be baptized. You don't need to be an, an, ex an expert in the theology of baptism or understand what baptism is. We explain, we talk a little bit. Janet has been talking to people. Julie's been training and preparing people. But you don't need to know every answer to every question. You just need to take that step. So that's when. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, not Paul Dukes, the Apostle Paul, because a few people mentioned Paul by name, so I'm just going to clarify that. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, who kind of was... An apostle, he, he, he planted churches, he was a missionary all, all around the Mediterranean. He was like a big deal. He was kind of a big deal. <laughs> but before he knew Jesus, he hated Christians. He, he actually wanted Christians dead. 
He, in fact, held the coats of those that killed and executed Christians for their faith. He was, he just, he was so devout to, to Judaism. He was so religious that when somebody like Jesus came on the scene, he just hated it. And, and he, he just despised Christians. But there was a moment on the Damascus Road, on a road, call it the A50, where... <laughs> where he just encountered Jesus, and he was blinded for a time, and long story short, and when his eyes were made open again after a decision of faith, he was then immediately baptized. So I'm just going to read uh, my message today. It's just a few words from the, the Apostle Paul. That's why I've introduced Paul in that way. Um, somebody who we can owe a lot to. I don't think we would be stood here today if it wasn't for the Apostle Paul. I don't think we'd be meeting church like this if it wasn't for Paul. I know it's about God, and of course, God fueled that, and, God, and there was other apostles, there was other disciples, but he's got a, a lot to answer for. He's got a lot to, we've got a lot to be grateful for, for Paul. So what did he say about baptism? Let's have a look at Romans 8. We'll read a couple of verses, stop, read a couple more, stop, then read one verse to finish. Verses 1 to 2 in Romans 6 says, and what you have to understand before, before I get onto this, if you murdered Christians, if you were what many of us would call a proper sinner, like a heathen, like a complete lowlife, if you were just the worst kind of person on earth, and you find Jesus, and he says, okay, I'm going to wash you clean, make you right, and you can follow me, your message is going to be full of grace. It's going to be full of love. You're writing, if you're writing letters to other people, and that's what he was doing in this occasion, he's writing to the Roman church, his letters are going to be full of grace and full of love, and there's nobody that cannot receive salvation. There's nobody that is too far gone, that's too dirty, that's too sinful to find Jesus. There is no one, there's nothing. So his message was full of grace. His message was so full of grace and kindness and the love of God. And people kind of didn't like it. They're like, well, what, if you're just saying about grace, then what about, doesn't that just mean that you, we as Christians can just do whatever we want? If Jesus is going to forgive me, does that mean I can just go out and sin and then he'll forgive me again? Does that mean I can keep doing the same habits, the same wrongdoings, the same wrong thoughts, the same wrong words, the same nasty actions? Can I just keep doing it going back to forgiveness? Paul addresses it here. Verse 1. Well then. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Very clear verse. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So we're not here to celebrate. Some of these guys had stories of maybe their past. Some things that they've done in their past, they're not proud of. There's things in my life I'm not proud of. We're not here to glorify that and celebrate that. We're here to, to celebrate God's grace of what he can do when somebody's in a mess and how he can make them beautiful and wonderful. And he can forgive them and justify them and bring them into his house. So it goes on in verse 3. And this is my key phrase for today in the next eight minutes. Or have you forgotten? Turn to the person sitting next to you and just say this for me. Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? Ha have you forgotten? Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? 
For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Breathe new life. We can live new lives. No matter where you've been, the pit you've been in, the mistakes you've made, the things you've said, the things you've looked at on the internet and you keep doing it. We're not here to glorify and accept that and say that's okay. We're here to say that you're no longer held and bound by that. You can live a new life. That has been left at the foot of the cross. That has been left at the pit of the baptism tank. That is no longer you. It's gone. It's gone. Your old self. So I've got two things to say. They're not points. They're kind of one point, And they actually contradict each other. So I'll say them straight out the, the bat right now. So you can not be confused and say, isn't he contradicting himself? My first thing I want to say to you is, have you forgotten that you're dead? It's a lovely message on a baptism Sunday, isn't it? Really airy-fairy. But the second point is, haven't you, have you forgotten My two points, they kind of contradict each other. Each other. I'll help you out. I'll try and help myself out. But have you forgotten? I, I really feel, I was thinking about preparing this message. Do you, do you, when you prepare a baptism Sunday message, do you gear the message towards the five people that made their decision? So I'm, I want to encourage them and, and inspire them. And I do. I really, really, really do. But they've been doing the preaching this morning. You could gear a message towards those who haven't been baptized. And I could try and coerce you and sort of, come on, guys, get baptized. But I felt this morning, I wanted to address those who have been baptized or for those who are Christians or for those like myself who've been Christians for many, many years. And I want to ask you the question, have you forgotten? Don't you just love it when you hear five testimonies of what Jesus did in their life? And you're like, I can't believe I forgot how good God is. I can't believe I've lost the joy that I had when I first discovered Jesus. Where has that gone? My message today is called, Have You Forgotten? Have you forgotten? Firstly, have you forgotten that you're dead? Let me explain, because that's not an easy thing to digest. But let me just address, just kind of put this in some con context. We're first Sunday in April. We're two Sundays out from Easter Sunday, which we can call Resurrection Sunday. So if you like the Christian calendar, this is Passion Sunday. So I'm feeling passionate this morning. <laughs> but we're in a series, the next four Sundays, titled Resurrected Life. Now, in order to receive resurrection, something has to die. Just by logic, just by the way in which we use those words in English language. So in order to be, receive a resu re resurrected life, somebody has to die. So let me just get, encourage you this morning. <laughs> you know what? Baptism, if you're wondering, is this dramatic reenactment. It's like this visual motion picture of what happens internally when somebody makes a decision. It's like... I want to become a Christian, so I choose to die to my old sinful self, my unbelieving self, the, the, maybe the atheist in me, or the agnostic in me, or maybe the sinner in me, or the one that makes mistakes, the one that has, says the wrong things, the one that keeps rejecting God and, and, and just doing the, you know, all that stuff, sin. 
And when you become a Christian internally, you kind of say, I'm going to put that to death. Kill it off. Chop it off. And just like in baptism, this visual reenactment, when you come back out of that water, what's going on inside of your heart when you make that decision to follow Jesus is I now am a new person. I'm a new person, not a zombie that's come back from the dead. And uh, I'm a new, brand new person. Brand new person. The old has gone. I am now new. You've died to sin. And that's a, that's a key word for when we're talking about Easter Sunday. That's a key. We can't, as church, forget this word sin. It's a horrible word. It's, it's something we don't like to talk about. But we all have and perhaps still do sin. We've all fallen short of God's perfect standard. We have, we have and, and these, baptism is about dying to that sinful past, that sinful self. You know what, actually, on Calvary Cross 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was hung there, he thought of you. He had you in, in mind. He was like, I'll do this for you. I'll keep going. I'll hang on. I'm doing it for you. So the wonderful message, and I don't think I've yet got onto it, the, the fifth verse, maybe I'll bring that in now, in Romans 6. This is wonderful. It says in Romans 6 verse 5, For if we have been united. (laughs) United with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. What does this mean? I'm just talking... Theology, maybe. Conceptually. What does this actually mean to you? It means that your past has gone. Your sinful past, your old self, if you made a decision by faith to say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I believe in you. I thank you for what you did on the cross. I believe in you. We're a new, we're a new person. He took your place on the cross. All we have to do is receive the good, gracious gift of Jesus. We we should have been on that cross, but he took our place because he's united with you. I'm going to join with you. I'm going to take your place. We're in this together, arm around you. No matter what you've done, I'm dying for you. That's what he has done on the cross. And on the cross, because we couldn't do it ourselves, he defeated sin. So sin, habits, those things that we keep going back to, like, oh, it's naughty. I can't keep doing it. Oh, I'm doing it again. Oh, I really don't want to do it. I'm doing it again. Sin. He died, defeated it, and defeated death. Something had to die. Have you forgotten that you're dead? Your sinful life is dead, so why do we keep coming back to it and dabbling with it in the shadows? Why don't we just leave it behind and rejoice in the new life, the new life that we have in him? You know, we're going to sing in a moment a song, and it talks about shame, and that's what's attached to sin. If your sin is dead, your shame. If you feel ashamed this morning, we can pray for you, we can stand with you, we can ask Jesus, because that sin is gone. So what's there to be ashamed about? It's gone, it's dead. It's dead. 30 seconds, guys. (laughs) I've only got 10 more points. So you don't need to feel embarrassed or ashamed. You know what, when when Jesus walked out of that tomb, we talk about... Jesus thinking of you on the cross, and he was thinking of you. You know what? When he came out of that tomb, he was also thinking of you. He was also thinking, you know what? I'm doing this so that you can come alive. You don't have to live there anymore. You can be a new person and a new life. You no longer 
need to be held tight by your, by your sin. So again, I've kind of jumped around. It's the same point in some ways. But my second point is, have you forgotten that you're alive? I look around and I think, are we actually alive? You know, look around during worship and we say, dance lad, the weight has been lifted. Am I dancing like the weight has been lifted off my like the weight, my sin, it just, it hurt me. It broke me. It was so difficult to bear. The weight is gone. I'm a new person, so I'm going to dance like the weight. We're going to do that song at the end. I'm going to be watching. <laughs> you received a new life when you made that personal decision to follow Jesus. And baptism is just simply a motion picture, a visual representation, a reenactment of what happened internally. So I died and I came back to life. No longer dead, but I am now alive. You're a new person with a new identity. You're no longer an orphan, you're a child of God. You're no longer lost, you are found. You're no longer in darkness, you're in light. You're no longer dead, you're alive. It's something to get a sweat on about. It's something to get a jig on and to get excited about and to be full of praise for God. And the good news is you have eternal life. So that life doesn't end. You know what? You've died once. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we've visually represented it during baptism. It means you've died once so you can't die again. You're not dying again. When you hit 80, 90, 100, you're not dying. You're living forever. The new life that he gives you is eternal. It's never ending. And if you haven't got that life, if you haven't received that life, please don't leave here today without receiving that abundant eternal life. I'm going to ask the musicians to join me because that will help me end. Because <laughs> I, I feel like I want to preach today. I feel like I want to just dance around. and I'm going, to, I'm going to draw this to a close somehow. I'm going to go back to my notes. and We're going to have some structure and go back into the baptism. Because that's the thing. It's not about the preach today. It's about you five guys getting baptized or if there's any others as well. But I wanted to just address all of us. Have you forgotten just how good God is? The same power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave. Two Sundays time, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection. We do it every Sunday. We, we look back this morning. Do you know why we do communion? Because we forget. We need to remember what he did on the cross. We, we forgetful people. We need to remember the sacrifice and the blood and the broken body. But we also need to remember that he rose again. And because of what you've decided in your heart, because of that decision when it was, for some of you it was a public one, you put a hand up after a preach. For some of you, you read a Bible and you made that decision yourself. For some of you, you, you somebody else got alongside you and prayed with you. Whatever and however that decision was made, when that happened, something died. And something came back to life. And today, we are, because we forget, we are going to have at least five reruns, reenactments. We're going to run the motion picture of what happens when your life is turned from sin 